Good morning, everybody. Give the little ones a second to get out of the auditorium as they go down to practice for Bible Bowl. I don't know about you guys, but the Lord has blessed us with a beautiful week last week, wasn't it? Man, that was nice. And I always say, this is the time of year I start to get excited. Because I don't know about you, but if you're watching television, not even a NASCAR fan, but you start seeing the advertisements for the Daytona 500, the pitchers and catchers report on Wednesday, full, uh, uh, full practice starts on Monday. You know what that means? We're getting close, right? Winter's almost over. Spring is, spring is near. And I think that's why God gave us these uh, days like this past week to say, hold on, guys, it's getting there. We're getting close. But as we get into today's lesson, if you look on the screen behind me, but I say to you, have you guys read the Gospels? Have you read through the Scriptures and then you, you, you see something that comes along where Jesus says something and then he says, but I say to you. I know we have uh, many who, in the congregation that like to take notes and like to write down the passages of Scripture. Well, I'm going to make it super easy for you today. Turn there. That's all we're going to do. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 5, verse 1 through 26. You know, Jim, you know, I, I, I joked around with him this morning. I said, hey, were you surprised when you got my slides? And there was essentially one. And I was like, we're going to make it easy on you this week. And so Matthew chapter 5, let's open our Bibles there. Because I told you last week, as we were going through, we were finishing up the Beatitudes, I said, you know what? I'm just going to park in the Sermon on the Mount for a little while. Is there not a lot to talk about when you look at the Sermon on the Mount? And so we're going to park in Matthew chapter 5, uh, 21 uh, through 26 today, but we're going to look at various aspects. I don't think I'm going to do like every aspect of the Sermon on the Mount, but we're going to look at quite a few. But this is one that really, to me, it stands out, and it's something that I'm compelled to say that I want you to really focus and pay attention, because as I go through these passages, we're going to read it here in the beginning, and then we're going to break it down. But I'm compelled to tell the congregation, I think this is one of the biggest problems that we have in the church today. That I don't think enough people understand what Jesus is teaching in 21 through 26 here. And so let's uh, have those Bibles open. Let's get to Matthew chapter 5 and let's just dive right in. Verse 21 through 26, the scriptures tell us. You have heard that the ancients were told, you shall not murder, and whoever commits murder shall be liable to the court. But I say to you, Whenever you're reading the scriptures and you get to that aspect where Jesus says, but I say to you, you might want to pay attention. Because he's getting ready to lay down the law. Remember, you got the old law and you got the new law, right? You got the old covenant and the new covenant. And Jesus is going, isn't Jesus here at the beginning? He's talking about the Beatitudes. He's talking about the inward change that eventually reflects the outward change. But isn't, he, isn't the point of his teachings is saying that uh, his kingdom is coming, right? And so isn't that what he sent his disciples out into the villages to say? That, that, that the kingdom is at hand. And so I need us to focus here now. In verse 22 it says, But I say to you, everyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court. And whoever says to his brother, you're good for nothing, you shall be guilty before the Supreme Court. And whoever says, you fool, shall be guilty enough to enter into a fiery hell. And then you verse 23 and 4. Therefore, if you are presenting your offering at the altar, and therefore remember that your brother has something against you, leave your offer there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and present your gift unto the Lord. Make quickly, make friends quickly with your opponents at law, while you are with him on the way, 
so that your opponent may not hand you over to the judge and the judge hand you over to the officer and you be thrown into prison. Truly I say to you that you will not come out of there until you have paid the last cent. So we look at this passage of scripture. I want you to keep your Bibles open because we're going to break it down. In our passage here this morning, Jesus forbids the nurturing of anger, which is equivalent, the penalty which will be equivalent to that of murder. And so it's the nurturing of the anger. That's what Jesus is talking about here. But I could just end it right there and let's go home. But no, we're going to break this down because there's, there's a lot that we really need to look at as we break down these five verses. So in Matthew 5 and 21, notice again, you have heard that the anxious were told that you shall not commit murder and whoever commits that murder shall be liable to the court. Well, brethren, we need to understand that this is a clear reference to the Decalogue, right? It's a clear reference to the Ten Commandments. Exodus chapter 20, Deuteronomy chapter 5. That's where we find the Ten Commandments. It's a clear reference to that. As we go through Matthew chapter 5, there's multiple examples uh, that, or there's multiple times where um, uh, some of the Ten Commandments are actually listed. And he goes on and he'll say, you have heard that it was said. And when he says that you have heard that it was said, understand, he's not trying to reject the law or reject the Ten Commandments. He's rejecting the interpretation of, the, the poor interpretation of the, of the scribes and the Sadducees and the Pharisees and the rabbis. And so you get to this, and what Christ did at this point in his teachings here at Matthew chapter 5, as he's talking to his disciples, he's talking to those who wish to enter the kingdom that he came to establish, he says that you can't just look at the law. You can't just look at the Ten Commandments because I've come to you to talk to you and give you a deeper uh, meaning and understanding of what the law really entails. And so what Christ did here was kind of bold, was it not? I mean, it's daring because it's not just uh, his everyday Jews that are there in the audience. You got Pharisees and you got scribes, you got Sadducees, people who are listening to him. This is about the start of the second year of his earthly ministry. And so he's becoming more well-known, but still relatively unknown to the masses, right? Uh, but uh, he's, he, right after he finished with his Sermon on the Mount, what happens? He starts to do the miracles, and then more and more people are starting to follow him. He starts to take care of their physical needs, right? Whether it's physical ailments or whether it's a, a, an empty stomach, he starts to take care of the needs of the people. And the audiences are growing larger and larger as multitudes began to follow him. And here we see that uh, you have this case where Jesus, still relatively unknown, but popularity growing day by day, it's coming fast and furious, he squarely places himself as superior to the law of Moses and the Ten Commandments. And so as we look at this, Christ in Matthew chapter 5, he mentions several of these Ten Commandments, and he exposes something. He exposes their weaknesses. You guys remember why the Ten Commandments were given in the first place, right? When God pulled the people up out of, the, out, of, out of Egypt, out of bondage, right? They really didn't know how to act. They spent 400 years enslaved, right? And so the people of, of Abraham had spent 400 years enslaved. They really, their, 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 their second nature is really... Uh, paganism and, uh, and those traditions and those laws under which their, their masters held them under. So God, when they get to Mount Sinai, Moses goes up the mountain and he comes back down. The finger of God had written ten commands 
that this is what's going to lead you as my people. All right? Ten commands. And so the Jews many times, and in their traditions, their man-made rules, they like to do what? They like to just look at the letter of the law and maybe not what God's intent behind the law was, right? And this is where Jesus is going to draw a distinction. If you wish to enter into my kingdom, he says, but I say to you. And so, brethren, we look at this. Jesus is letting them know that a person, you might very well keep the letter of the law, the letter of the law, without being in any sense truly actually righteous. You could keep the letter of the law and in no sense be righteous in the eyes of God. And of course, when we make a statement like that, he's focused on the Pharisees. He's focused on the scribes and the Sadducees. That's why he calls them hypocrites all the time. And so they kept the commandments, and yet the scriptures say, they were considered children of the devil. Individuals who kept the letter of the law, but were considered by God as children of the devil. Jesus opposed the Pharisees, the scribes, uh, the Sadducees, and many of the rabbis. He, 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 he opposed their sinful lifestyles, despite all of the, the painstaking observances of what? Ties and ceremonies and formalities, many of the things in which the Mosaic religion uh, beheld. But they also then did what? They would embellish. They embellished countless traditions. Traditions are simply just rules in the creation of the people who are claiming to bow down before God. And so, thou shalt not murder. When they heard that, they think of just the physical act, they don't think about the hate. The anger, the hostility, the animosity, the resentment, the jealousy, all the various things that, some, that goes through somebody's mind and heart before they commit the physical act. And that's what the problem was. Jesus says, you focus on the physical act, but I need you to focus on the mind and the heart condition. For the Pharisees, they might not have, uh, have kept the, uh, they may have kept the command to not murder somebody, but at the same time, they hated individuals. Were they not uh, keeping the commands, but at the same time trying to figure out a way to kill Jesus, destroy Jesus, hoping their enemies would be uh, killed by a wild beast, hoping their enemies might be struck by lightning, hoping their enemies might be bitten by a poisonous serpent? I mean, that sounds strange these days, but back in those days, that was a real thing. And so Christ exposed the weaknesses and the sinfulness of such mindsets. So just following the letter of the law doesn't necessarily make you religious. It doesn't make you righteous and acceptable in the sight of God. And I believe, brethren, that as we consider this message here this morning, you have to remember that today. You could show up every time the door is open. It doesn't make you religious. It doesn't make you righteous. It doesn't make you pleasing in the sight of God. Now that we're glad that you're here, we want you here. This is part of the process because not only are we commanded to worship Almighty God in spirit and truth, but we're also commanded to submit to the elders. And thus we come to worship God on the first day of the week. And we also do the other things that the elders put in place for us. Bible studies, evening services, different things. Because we know that we submit to the leadership. But brethren, at the end of the day, as we look at these passages here this morning, we're going to see here that, that Jesus is letting them know, brethren, that there is, there is a new way that you need to look at things. And so as we go through this this morning, Jesus made unchecked anger with a brother of, of, in Christ. He made it a sin. Notice it uses the word brother and not neighbor. 
Right? There's a distinction in the scriptures between neighbor and between brother. Jesus made unchecked anger with a brother in Christ, a member of the kingdom. Uh, he made it a sin that was equal to, uh, to murder. He also made such derogatory statements as you good for nothing and you fool. He also made that sinful behavior. And so I would contend that the church as a whole even today, doesn't have an adequate idea of Jesus' teachings here in Matthew 5, 21 through 26. Have you ever heard of another brother in Christ talk down about another brother in Christ? Or a sister in Christ talking bad about another sister in Christ? Or vice versa, or a sister talking bad about a brother? Brethren, it happens all the time, and it's been happening for generations, and I contend that these things happen because not enough Christians understand Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 5, verse 21 through 26. This, this sin, the mindset, is prevalent today. And Jesus tells us, if you continue in that mindset, the penalty will be that of those who are a murderer. And so he says, go and do what? Quickly uh, make amends. Quickly make it right before it's everlasting too late. So brethren, unchecked anger and comments like, you good for nothing, like we just seen here in the scriptures, you fool, are commonplace in today's mindset of many of those who call on the name of Christ. Many of, those who, uh, many of us who identify with Christ, we not only have those thoughts, but we utter those words even. And so Jesus is telling us as we go on to verse 22. He says, but I say to you, you have heard that it was said, but listen to what I say. And he says that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the courts. Whose court? God's court. And whoever says to his brother, you good for nothing, shall be guilty before the Supreme Court. It's talking about the Sanhedrin. The first court was talking about those courts that were set up early on in, in the Israelites' history. So if a man was, uh, if, if somebody accidentally killed a man, you had the cities of refuge, you, can, you could flee there, and you could wait your time, and you, you could have a trial. And then, uh, so that's the tribunals, that's the, the, the lower courts. But then you had later on, you had the Sanhedrin, right? It's the Supreme Court. But then there's this other part of the verse. It says, shall be guilty before the Supreme Court, and whoever says you fool shall be guilty enough to even go into a fiery hell. I want you to understand something. In verse 22 here, uh, Jesus further explains he sh to show the true meaning, the true expectation. Sure, he doesn't want you to perform the physical act, but he's letting you know if you wish to become a follower of mine, if you wish to enter into the kingdom that I am establishing, there's a new expectation. And the expectation of that law is for all who desire to enter the kingdom of God, for all who desire to enter the church. And so murder is a blatant act of a murderous spirit. It's a blatant act of what? A murderous mindset where anger is accompanied. Jealousy and anger and hate, right? Uh, and there's so many other things that could go into that. But the plain teaching of the Lord, brethren, uh, from, in the context, is all insults of every kind are considered sinful in God's eyes. All of our derogatory, critical expressions against a, 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 a brother in Christ, or even fellow human beings, are murderous in God's eyes. That's what the scriptures are teaching us here in Matthew 5, 21 through 26. Those who resort to use such expressions are guilty in the eyes of the Lord. And he says, you better go and make it right before it's everlasting too late. So this is, a tr this is true because, brethren, such mindsets 
And such expressions, they find their origin in what? In anger, in resentment, in hate, in jealousy. So in light of all of this that we see here, how do we justify things like racial slurs? How do we justify uh, derogatory slogans, right? Derogatory terms, derogatory slang. How do you justify calling somebody an idiot? How do you justify calling somebody stupid? You know, stupid and, uh, well, uh, you good for nothing isn't a whole lot different. Or stupid and fool, idiot and fool, not a whole lot different. Yet we use those terms, well, quite often, right? And Jesus says that if you have the mindset that you're going to, you're going to use these derogatory terms, uh, negative expressions, with the mindset of anger and hate and resentment, then, brethren, he's saying that's equivalent to murder. And so he says, and the outcome will be the same for those who don't quickly make it right. Is this hitting home? Are we understanding this? Anybody ever use any derogatory terms? Everybody ever any, use any slang or uh, uh, negative expressions towards somebody with the, with the whole sole purpose to hurt them? Christ is saying, if you wish to be my follower, that needs to stop. And he says, you need to make it right. And you need to make it right right now. And so, brethren, you look at all of this information that we're seeing here. Brethren, we should not see this. We need to make sure that we don't see this as degrees of punishment. Because that's something that I was, as I was going through and I was putting notes together and reading some different things. There are those who would say that maybe this is like degrees of punishment. No, no, no. This isn't degrees of punishment. He's letting you know that if you're guilty of these things, guilty of speaking and thinking in this way, you have that murderous mindset, that murderous spirit that's going to eventually give rise to acts of sinfulness. Not just the sin of the mind, but the physical outward expression of sin. And so, brethren, all who desire to enter into the kingdom of God must refrain from harboring anger. It's not saying that you can't have righteous anger. Jesus has displayed righteous anger. But the difference is the mind. What do you do with when you become angry with something? Do you start to spew venom? Do you start to, uh, to, do you start to uh, call people names? Do you start to uh, pronounce judgments on people? Are you looking for the harm to come to somebody? This is the mindset that Jesus says is a murderous mindset. And that murderous mindset will lead to the same penalty as the individual who performs the act of murder. And so, brothers and sisters, Jesus is calling, for his, his, he's calling his followers to a higher standard. But there's something else before we move on to verse 23 and 24. He noticed that at the, at the end of verse 22, he says, fiery hell. I, I learned some interesting things here this week as I was putting notes together for this. When he says, shall be guilty enough to go into fiery hell, it's talking about, you could also look in your Bibles, some might say Gehenna, right? And Gehenna is used in multiple places of scripture, right? And in the times of the divided kingdom, in 2 Chronicles 28 and 33, Jeremiah chapter 7 and chapter 19, we see that Gehenna was a deep, narrow uh, valley, or, or glen, if you will, south of the city of Jerusalem, where idolaters... The idolatrous Jews would sacrifice their children unto Molech. But then we also learn later in Jewish history that that same valley where they sacrificed their children afterwards became the commonplace to get rid of the, the, all the garbage, right? The refuge uh, of the city, to take the garbage to. But it wasn't just for garbage and disposing of things. Any of the animals that died, the dead bodies were gone and they were put there. And criminals that died, their bodies were not buried. They, were, they would take and they would put them there. And all kinds of filth and everything was disposed 
and it was consumed with fire. But that fire that they consumed it with was a perpetual fire. The fire never had gone out. It never goes out. It stays lit all the time. And so you could expect, Jesus says, that's the sense in which he's using this. There's this image of eternal destruction, perpetual destruction. And Jesus is saying at the end of verse 22, if you continue in this way, you don't quickly make it right. You have this expectation of a fiery hell. You see, brethren, do you think Jesus is serious about this? Do you think he's serious about it? Then you get to verse 23 and 24 of Matthew, chapter 5. Therefore, if you are presenting your offering at the altar, and there remember your brothers have something against you, leave your offering before the altar and go. First be reconciled unto your brother, then come and present your offering. In the Old Testament, in, this, in, in that day and age, in the day and age of Christ, uh, making your offerings, your sacrifices unto the Lord was a form of worship. And God says, I don't want your worship if you're at odds with your fellow brother. He says, you need to stop. Not that worship isn't important, but this is more important. This takes precedence because your, your worship to me is useless if you're in sin. And if you, have, if you have things against your brother, you have grievances against one another, you need to go and you need to make it right. He says, leave your gift at the altar, and it says, and go. Brethren, as we look at this, it is useless to, to worship God when, when brethren have been wronged, when there's grievances that are, that are out there. Jesus is saying that it would be better for the worshiper to stop worship to get up, walk out, and go and make right the situation that is wrong. And so, brothers and sisters, this is God's plan for his church. Christ's plan for maintaining harmony in his church is really simple. He says to go. You see it in three different uh, places in the Bible. Here in Matthew chapter 5, 21 through 26, when you've got two brethren that have grievances uh, against one another. The next example you see in Matthew chapter 18, it's where we learn about church discipline. And you're to do what? Hey, me and Lewis have a problem. I'm, su I'm, su I'm supposed to send him a text, right? I shoot him an email, right? I send him a letter. No, Jesus says, go to your brother. And if you can't make it right in Matthew 18, go back and take two or three more with you. And if they can't make it right, tell it to the church. And if the church can't make it right, let that person become like a heathen to you, right? The point is, Jesus gives examples, three different places in Scripture, of how we are to deal with the problems that are going to arise within the church, within the kingdom. The first one is here in Matthew 5, go and quickly make it right. The next one is in Matthew 18, where we learn about church discipline for the kingdom and for the church. And then in Galatians chapter 6, we see the third one. When any of our brethren have been overtaken in any fault, in any sin, you're to do what? To go to them. To do what? With the express purpose to help them bear that burden. Why? Because, brethren, Jesus is calling us to a higher standard. I feel compelled to remind us. That this is the only procedure in Scripture. The only procedure that Jesus laid down in God's Word for dealing with the sins of a fellow brother or a fellow sister in the kingdom is to go to them. To go and to make it right and to strive to make it right with sincerity of heart, with humility, with a humble mind that you go there doing everything you can in your power to make things right. We go, brethren, to our fellow brothers and sisters to make it right. And 
you do this before anger and resentment have become so deeply seated that, well, making it right may not be possible. You ever met anybody who, who starts to have a problem with somebody? Maybe you've had a problem with somebody, and you instead of dealing with it right away, you kind of kick that can down the road, and then all of a sudden, different people, different parties get involved, but not necessarily because they're trying to make it right. They're not trying to be a peacemaker. They're not trying to mediate. They're just trying to stir the pot. You ever met anybody like that? And then all of a sudden, they start to put little, little thoughts in the back of your mind, right? And they start to give you ungodly uh, advice. They start to give you worldly advice. And then your anger starts to go from anger to resentment to hostility. And then the emotions start to build up. And as the emotions start to build up, they overflow. And then maybe you start to spew venoms. You start to spew hatred. You start to, you start to uh, spew various forms of slurs. That's what Jesus is talking about here in Matthew chapter 5, 21 through 26. He says, those who utter these things are like that murderer. And if you don't go and make it right quickly, Jesus tells us you have an expectation of a fiery hell. And so brothers and sisters, the divinely imposed procedures are related to all types of sins, all types of errors that our brethren may commit. So Jesus says, go to the brother who sinned against you. Go to the brother who, who, who has himself sinned against us. Go to the brother who finds himself mired in sin and in faults. Go to them. That's the instruction. That's the divine command. If God, brethren, if God's commands are obeyed, think about it. It would prevent the sinful and destructive practices of those who vent animosities, those who shout judgments, pronounce hate for others, who are just shout foolishness, who launch vicious criticisms of those within the church. And then you get to verse 25. It says, Make friends quickly with your opponent at law. You are with him on the way, so that your opponent may not hand you over to the judge and your judge to the officer, and you will be thrown into prison. To understand that verse, you understand that, well, in those lower courts, you could physically take your brother and drag him to the court. You've seen that multiple times in the, in the times of the apostles, where they dragged them before magistrates and, 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 and basically what we would call like prosecutors, right? But they would drag them uh, uh, to the courts. And it says, when your brother's dragging you to the court, you might want to do what? You might want to try to reconcile. You might want to have a, a, a humble heart so that way you can make things right before you get to the judge and the judge hands you over to the officer and the officer hands you over to the prison warden and you will stay there until you pay every cent. So simply put, brethren, settling disagreements, healing possible sources of friction should be a pressing matter of the day. If you have somebody who has something against you, especially in the brotherhood, do all that you can to make it right. And if there's somebody who's struggling in sin, you go to them with the mindset to do everything you can in your power to show them what God's word says, to love them, and to help them find a way out. And so, brethren, as we get to the end, the last verse, before I close this down, truly I say to you, Jesus says, you will not come out until you have paid that last cent. Jesus says, when the time of punishment comes, it's too late. When the time of punishment comes, it's too late for reconciliation. Followers of Jesus are taught how to uh, keep from suffering from anger, and we're also taught how to prevent our own anger. 
And so as a matter of practical everyday instructions, if people listen to the word of God, if people actually listened and understood the scriptures and then applied them to their lives, it goes back to then the, uh, the Beatitudes I was teaching. The first four Beatitudes deal with that inward change. And that inward change then is eventually reflected outward. And so you have to change the mind. You're always going to have to deal with problems. But it's how you deal with problems. You could choose to escalate or you could choose to de-escalate. And that is going to speak more to others about your Christian mindset and your Christian heart than, uh, than what you do outwardly or the words that you say. For we will know, we'll, we'll be known by our words and we'll be known by our actions. And so, brethren, Matthew chapter 5, verse 21 through 26 is something that, I, as I said a moment ago uh, at the beginning... I believe this is something that many in the church don't fully understand. Because you see brothers and sisters, uh, and, or brother on brother, or sister on six, sister, speaking ill of one another. Uh, trying to bring down somebody. Instead of going to them and making it right. Striving to make it right. Now listen, you go and do your part. They may not want to make it right. But that's not, up to, that's, that's not for you. God says you go. And if, if you're not able to make it right, as long as you know you've done everything with sincerity of heart, with humility, to do your best to carry out the commands of God, you, you satisfied uh, your part in the eyes of God. Then it's on the other individual. And so, brothers and sisters, if you're hearing this message today and you have something against somebody in the brotherhood, in the kingdom, speak to them. Go to them quickly before it's everlasting too late. And so if you're hearing this message today, but maybe you've been thinking about God for a while, maybe you've been wanting to become a Christian for a while, maybe you realize you're a sinner in need of a Savior, the baptistry is open, the water is warm, and you can be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, you can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, and God will add you to the kingdom if you come forward as we stand and sing.